Welcome to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Thailand has reached what are potentially dark times. In 2014, a coup took place and the military took control, with the leader Prayut Chan-o-cha establishing himself as the new Prime Minister. Recently, the death of the long-serving monarch, King Bumipon Adunyadet, have rocked the country. Here to discuss Thailand's current situation is Dr. Greg Raymond, a research fellow at the Strategic and Defence Studies Centre at the Australian National University. Thank you for joining me, Greg. Thank you for having me, Matt. So King Bumipon had a 70-year reign and he was a sign of stability for Thailand. Can you give me a sense of what he meant to the country and what's happening now that he's passed? It's difficult to really uh, overestimate in some ways what King Bumipon meant to the Thai people. And I think we need to look at... um, really three dimensions to his position in relation to Thai society. Um, The spiritual, the personal aspect of uh, the man, and also uh, his position politically. When we think about him uh, in spiritual terms, we need to think about a country which is much less secular than, uh, I guess, Western countries, European countries and so forth. Buddhism really uh, is interfused with all aspects of life. And the king in the Thai society, in Thai culture, is very much part of that uh, Buddhist um, system of belief. He's right at the apex. And he's um, literally seen as a sort of a demigod, or in Thai, a dhammaraja, a king of the dharma. So uh, he commands immense respect just for that reason alone. And there are numerous rituals which really communicate that he has this position in society. Uh, If you think about uh, his title, and he has many titles, but one of them is Somdet Prabharam Prachalyuhua, which literally means that he's a king who floats above people's heads. And uh, when politicians or even prime ministers uh, have an audience with the king, they must grab tao, which basically means lie prostrate at his feet. So this is all communicating uh, the relative levels of the uh, actors in Thai society. And it's quite a hierarchical society where people need to know where they sit. The second dimension of Bumipon and why he has such uh, meaning for the Thai people is almost contradictorily, it's his personal qualities, uh, what he stood for, what sort of person he was. He came across to the Thai people as being someone who was humble, modest, was not obsessed or interested in the trappings of wealth or of his office and who took a real interest in, I guess, the welfare of his subjects, of his people. And he dressed modestly. He wore a, a, an old tweed jacket much of the time. Many of the photographs that you see of him, he has a, an old-fashioned uh, single-lens reflex camera around his neck. And uh, he travelled the country and, by all accounts, took a genuine interest in how to make the country run better. So he was interested in very practical schemes for how to manage water. He came up with his own clouds uh, seeding scheme. He was also uh, very interested in economic philosophy. So after Thailand was hit by the 1997 Asian financial crisis, he uh, came up with a philosophy called the sufficiency economy 
philosophy, which sought to insulate people from globalisation to an extent. This is the image that people have of him, both at the same time a demigod, but also someone very human and concerned with their lives. And he's also had a very effective publicity machine in the palace who constantly, I guess, immerses the Thai people in the images of the king, meeting his people, looking after their welfare. So that's engendered a great deal of affection amongst the Thai population. But the third dimension of why he's been important to people is that he's been seen, well, he has had significant political power. Even though in theory he's a constitutional monarch or was a constitutional monarch, someone who was above politics, at the same time it's indisputable that at various points in Thai history he's played a pivotal role, uh, particularly in political crises, particularly after coups, as it turns out. Two of the most significant crises were in 1973 and another one in 1992. In 1973, there were student protests which eventually led to bloodshed. Now, Bumipon played a very pivotal role in bringing forth the dictator at that time, Tanom Kitikachorn, who had essentially ruled Thailand for the previous decade. Following the audience with the king, Tanom decided to leave Thailand and went into exile. So his intercession there was critical. And then equally in 1992, uh, there was a coup, uh, a military takeover by a military general called Suchinda Krapreun. This brought forth very large protests. The protests were put down very heavy-handedly by the army. And into this uh, Malay, the king interceded again. He had an audience with the general and also the leader of the protests, Jamlong Simong. Out of that, uh, there was an agreement by both those uh, leaders of both sides to withdraw, and uh, the general stepped down from the position of prime minister, and uh, some months later, elections were held. So in both those situations, he played a very overt role, but he's also been, I guess, a force behind the scenes in determining which coups would succeed and which wouldn't. Uh, In the 80s, there was one coup he didn't approve, and it failed. Mm. Uh, We know very well in 2006 that he did give his assent to the coup which removed Thaksin Shinawatra. So he's been a powerful political figure and uh, I think that is understood and I think there's a view that he has helped the country through these difficult situations. Now in terms of how people have dealt with his departure, I think I'd have to say that it's been a very controlled but at the same time very genuine outpouring of affection and emotion about the king there had been an awareness that he was entering his twilight years that he was getting older he was getting unwell it was on the minds of the thai people that this was happening after it did happen there was a huge outpouring of grief which is an entirely genuine Uh, sense of feeling amongst the Thai people. At the same time, maybe some apprehension about the future. But what's happened since with the grieving processes, I think Thai people have sort of reached back and looked at his life and found qualities about his life that they like and that they would like to see in each other. So I think in some ways it's been quite a, um, a bonding experience for the Thai people through this period. There's a year of grieving though, isn't there? A state mandated year of... So what what does that entail? There will be, I guess, um, the wearing of black clothes. Uh, There'll continue to be some ceremonies. I know there's ceremonies happening, for instance, here at the Thai Embassy Mm. in Canberra. 
So there'll be a sort of subdued atmosphere. For example, many of the TV programs continue to have black backdrops and so forth. So, you know, there'll be a subdued level of grieving for the year, and that will eventually lead to uh, a cremation ceremony. So since the 2014 coup, Prayuth what Greg just said. Uh, he's had two years to consolidate his power base. So what steps has he taken in that time and, and what position is he in now? Look, I think it's important to note here that he came to power with the support of a significant section of the Thai middle class and all the support of the Thai conservative elites. So he's really retained that power base, that base of support. But what's he done or what's his government done? I think they've come to power with really two overall objectives. First of all, they want to re-engineer the political system Hmm. to make it more difficult for the proxy governments of Thaksin Shinawatra and his supporters to do what they want if they get into power. So they'll be much more constrained under a new constitution that was passed in April. The new constitution, as well as putting a uh, 250-member appointed Senate in place, provides uh, a number of mechanisms to easily remove a government that uh, is seen to be, I guess, um, not uh, acting properly or consistently with the constitution. For example, 10% of the lower house or the upper house can nominate or refer a member of the parliament or a minister or the prime minister to the constitutional court if they're seen to have bad character Mm. or if they're seen to be doing something uh, which is financially irresponsible. And these are not defined, so they could be interpreted very broadly in the constitution. So whichever government it is, is going to have to very carefully design their program to make sure that they don't put off these key constituencies. Apart from that, the second really key objective that the Prayut Chanocha government has had is to ensure that there was stability through this royal transition period. So I think there was always a view that they knew this was coming and they wanted to have a firm hand at the tiller uh, while it did occur. Mm. I guess in order to achieve that, I think it's fair to say there's been a, a degree of repression exerted by the military government. Uh, This has not been a particularly great time for Thailand in terms of freedom of expression. There's been a lot of clamp down on dissent, uh, use of defamation laws, uh, les majestes laws, various other computer security laws to really clamp down on people vocalising criticisms of the government or political thoughts more generally. Mm. Also being, I guess, what you might call arbitrary detention of people being called into military camps and somewhat chillingly it's been called at times um, attitude adjustment uh, or brap tasanakati. It's not a pretty time in Thailand you'd have to say but of course it's not repression on the scale of uh, (laughs) Egypt where um, al-Sisi Fatah liquidated uh, his opponents. We're not seeing liquidation or disappearance. What we are seeing use of the military to mm. silence dissent. There's no doubt about that. Briyut Chanocha himself personally seems to be still a reasonably acceptable figure to the middle classes. And I think he's even gained some popularity for his gruff uncle demeanour, where he basically berates journalists. People don't mind seeing that. And uh, he's also stood up 
against US diplomats and European diplomats. Um, and I think that has appealed to the nationalists in, in Thailand. So the military seems to have control of the transition of the monarchy. As you, as you said, they've got that hand on the tiller. How do you think that's going to continue? Do you anticipate any change in the relationship between the monarchy and the military? I don't think there's any reason to think that there's going to be any rapid change. So we do have a new king now of Thailand, though, don't we? We do, that, we do yeah. have a king, the eldest son of the king, King Maha Vajira Longhorn. He formally ascended the throne this month. Look, I think the links between uh, the monarchy and the military are very institutionalised. And to a large extent, they transcend whatever particular individual is inhabiting the, you know, the office of the monarch. And these links, these institutional links have built up over the decades. The way in which the military commanders will swear an oath annually, the way in which all the senior members of the Thai military regularly accompany the monarch or other members of the royal family when they travel or greet them when they leave, greet them when they return from travel, provide a guard party for them. And there are numerous other rituals, I guess. The ideology of the Thai state, basically religion, king and the people, uh, continues to sort of reinforce these links between the monarchy and the military. Look, that's not to say that there can't be tensions and there can't be uh, irritations in the relationship. If we looked further ahead, there are two areas which could be uh, detrimental, which could cause tensions. One is any interference in the military promotion process. That's an area where it's, uh, I guess, the crown jewels for military officers. They want to get good promotions. They tend to look after their colleagues and ensure that they get good promotions. Things can go awry. Uh, We know that when this process is interfered with. The other thing is, of course, if there is a political crisis, if there is a coup, uh, the monarch plays a critical role. How a future monarch acts or the current new monarch acts could also be critical in determining how that relationship works. Mm. I guess another thing is over the long term, if the relationship between the monarch and the people is less close, if there isn't that same reverence which has been accorded to uh, King Rama 9, accorded to King Rama 10, then over time I think we could see perhaps less importance placed on the monarchy. The monarchy could move a little less out of a central position. And, and we've seen this historically. Rama 5 was a huge figure to the Thai people, Rama 6 somewhat less, and Rama 7 less again. And over that period, some dissatisfaction with the monarchy did build up Mm. and this led to the 1932 revolution which overthrew the absolute monarchy so we know that periods of change do occur yeah yeah speaking of periods of change how are the pro-democracy factions reacting during this time are there any realistic potential threats there at all well i think um what I'd describe the uh, current uh, posture of the political parties in thailand is a real watch and wait yeah they're not unused to having to wait for military governments to return to elections. They are, to some extent, participate in public comment, some debate. They continue to have seminars about the new constitution, but all of this is very strictly circumscribed. For example, when the Red Shirts or uh, the Pur Thai Party attempted to set up information centres prior to the constitutional referendum. This was sat on by the military government and those centres were closed. So fairly strict boundaries, but I think they're essentially preparing to compete in elections again. 
And I think both sides uh, have been critical of the Constitution. Even the Democrat Party, which is generally seen as a more conservative party, wasn't happy with the Constitution. But, you know, they've accepted it's got through and uh, now they're looking forward, I think. Mm. So with an election plan for 2017, the officials of the government have said that the death of the king won't change this timeline at all. Are you hopeful for, for this, for a successful election next year? Yeah, there's a couple of um, uh, variables here. Well, the new constitution, uh, it was said, would require some enabling pieces of legislation to be drafted to enable elections to occur. It was first estimated that this enabling legislation might take 15 months. Now, the new constitution is expected to be approved in February next year. So 15 months would place us well into 2018, but I think it probably can be done faster. But I think probably the more salient consideration that the government is thinking through is where do they place the coronation and the cremation, these two last pieces of the royal transition do they need to be completed before elections or can they happen after elections? And I think the tendency will be to want to have these things out of the way before there's a return to the hurly-burly of um, electoral politics. That, I guess, means that we're looking probably a little bit later rather than sooner. But I think there is an overall commitment to this roadmap. So once the royal transition's out of the way, I think there will be elections, probably if not the end of 2017, then early or mid-2018. All right. Thanks for your time today, Greg. And thank you for using the word hurly-burly in a politics podcast. (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks, Matt. You've been listening to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe Asia. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can follow Greg Raymond on Twitter. He's at Gregory V. Raymond. You can follow myself on Twitter. I'm at Nightlight Guy. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening.